1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. CTMobile.com.
0: From KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Graybar Sports Open Line. Those red swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and datacom needs. Here we go. Now. Matt
2: Pawley on America's
0: Sports Voice. KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here.
2: Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go. We do welcome you into another edition of Graybar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pawley. Great to have you with us. We have a jam-packed two hours worth of Graybar Sports Open Line coming your way this evening here on KMOX. In about 10 minutes Jared Sandler is going to join us. He's part of the broadcast team with the Texas Rangers who are very much in the driver's seat in the ALCS. They've got a 2-0 series lead on the Houston Astros. A lot of hockey on the show today. We're going to hear a bit from uh, Craig Berube uh, later on this hour as he spoke uh, to the media uh, after a spirited, a very spirited practice today. More on that in uh, just a moment. We'll talk some uh, other hockey and we'll also talk some uh, college basketball. Uh, today, the Valley held their uh, media day, their annual media day in front of uh, Missouri Valley basketball season, Missouri basketball uh, holding uh, their media day, I believe it was yesterday. So we're there. We're getting there when it comes to college basketball. And all I can think about is we are the, the area landscape when it comes to college basketball this year. It's going to be fantastic. Missouri should be very good. Coming off the first year for Dennis Gates, brought in another solid class uh, from a recruiting standpoint, from a transfer uh, portal standpoint. They should be very good. Illinois should be a top 25 team. Uh, I think there's still a lot of question marks about SLU basketball, but um, if you look real hard, you can certainly see... The makings of something that could be a pretty darn good A10 team, and the A10 is not going to be really great again this year. So uh, I, I think there's reasons to be excited. You look at what they focused in on, in the guys that they brought in for this year, and bringing in a little bit of size and things like that. I, I'm not just we we might be the flagship for Billiken's basketball, but it's um, I think there's reasons to be very excited about what's going to be going on there. Uh, you look at the area valley teams, whether it's uh, Missouri State, whether it's Southern Illinois. Uh, you look at SIUE and what they were able to do last year. You look at uh, Southeast Missouri State and uh, what they did last year, just that incredible run in the uh, league tournament and getting to the NCAA tournament. There are so many uh, great stories. And, you know, Lindenwood still going through that process of uh, figuring out what it's going to take to have success at the Division One level. There, There's a lot more good stories than bad stories when it comes to our area college basketball teams. And uh, we're, we're going to start efforting to get uh, a number of the coaches on. If you remember last year, we did the parade of coaches where we got just about all the area coaches on. We're going to start uh, putting that together here over the next week or so and uh, talking to as many as, as possible because I just I love the stories. I love looking at... What's going on across the college basketball landscape here uh, in our uh, in our direct region in our direct area? And I just I just think there's good story after good story after good story after good story, and just about every single night uh, there's going to be something interesting, something compelling going on, uh, in with our local teams when it comes to college basketball. So uh, we will certainly uh, spend some time uh, talking college basketball. Earl Austin Junior is going to join us tonight uh, just after seven thirty. We'll get his thoughts on the Billikens, but also just kind college basketball overall, because uh, he is so locked in. And we found out yesterday, Yuri Collins has an opportunity in the NBA. We'll talk uh, with uh, Earl Austin Jr. about that uh, coming up later on in the program as well. couple notes from the Blues coming out of practice today. First off, uh, Pavlo Buchnevich, uh, Buc- uh, still a little bit banged up. Uh, he did not participate in practice today, and right now it is looking likely that he is going to miss Thursday's game Nobody is talking about this injury as being a big-time serious injury, but at the same time, it's it's not preferable for a guy who's had a hard time staying healthy. It's not preferable that uh, he is having some injury issues here at the beginning of the season. You certainly hope that this is a blip and nothing more than that. There's We've spent so much time talking about the Blues and all the things that have to go right for this team to have success this year, and... One of the things that does have to go right is their just ability to have Buchnevich on the ice on just about an every night basis. So we'll see what happens with him from an injury standpoint, but uh, he is uh, he is not going to be available in all likelihood. He hasn't been officially ruled out, but right now it looks like in all likelihood he is not going to be available uh, for Thursday night's game against the uh, Coyotes. And then the uh, the other thing that happened in practice today, and not a lot of details being given, but... Uh Braden Shin and Jordan Kairoo got into it. Not, not a full-fledged fight or anything like that, but certainly there was some uh there was a bit of a shoving match going on out there. And without knowing all the details of it, you don't know if it was a positive development or a negative development. But my my leanings on this is that's it's a positive development. It it's okay to be uncomfortable in practice, it's okay. For one player to push another player, it's okay to be unhappy with some things that are going on. You don't you don't have to like your teammates when you're going through practice, uh, and hopefully you can respect them, and hopefully you can all come together once the games and the things that that really matter are, are taking place. Um, but when I hear that uh, that your new captain and Braden Shin got into it with it with a young guy who still has. A lot of things in his game that you would like to see him do a little bit more. You just from a from a Jordan Kyrou standpoint, I th- I think you'd like him to be a more well-rounded player. Um, I, I don't want to see scrums. I don't want to see shoving matches and practice all the time. If that starts to happen, then it starts to look like you've got a team that's maybe not fully functional. But for it to happen occasionally, for it to happen this early on in the season, for it to happen in a um, in a situation where. It, You've got the captain, you got a young guy, you got this, you know, you're setting the tone early on in the season. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So uh, we'll certainly get into that a little bit more as we go along through the course of the program. As always, if you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting 314 436 7900. 314 436 7900. That's how you call, that's how you text. You can tweet at me at Matt Pauly on air, M A T T. P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. When we return, Jared Sandler, part of the broadcast team with the Texas Rangers, he joins us in just a moment as we roll on with the Graybar Sports Open line on KMOX.
3: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
0: This is America's sports voice, Gagamox. 3 1. Fly ball,
2: center field. Tavares
0: comes on. The call, the car. Texas way five to four and they lead this best of seven two games tonight
2: Yeah, great job by the Rangers going into Houston for the first two games of the ALCS and coming away with victories in each. And now as the series shifts to Arlington, the Rangers absolutely are in the driver's seat up 2-0. Welcome back in. It is a Graybar Sports Open line here on KMOX. We're going to go to the Quiver River Electric guest line. Happy to uh, welcome on to the program. He is uh, part of the broadcast team with the Rangers. He is uh, Jared Sandler. You follow him on Twitter at Jared Sandler. Hey, Jared, always good to talk to you. How are you? Hey, thanks so much for having me. Uh, so what's the uh, what's the confidence level right now? Obviously, there's still a lot of work to do to win two more games, but the Rangers are clearly in a good spot right now.
1: Yeah, I think, gosh, I mean, this team hasn't lost the, the playoff game yet. It, it's kind of nuts. They were really streaky during the regular season, but you don't expect it to uh, keep up that way in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, confidence is, is really high, but this, even though this is a team and an organization that, you know, not only hasn't been to the playoffs since twenty sixteen, but hasn't really competed for a playoff spot since twenty sixteen. There are guys on the roster who have that type of experience. You know, whereas uh you know, and, and the Orioles could have easily won that series against the Rangers, you know, the hundred-win team, but you know, they grew a lot from within. And so a lot of those guys, it was their first experience. Whereas the Rangers went outside the organization to build a lot of their roster, and so Some of the leaders for this team, Nathan Avaldi, Max Scherzer on the mound, Jordan Montgomery too, uh, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager. I mean, these guys have been in this spot. So I think there's a a healthy mix of, hey, we're enjoying the heck out of this. We feel great. We feel like we can beat anyone right now. But, hey, we also have a lot of work to do. And this is a team in the Astros that uh, had our number not only during the regular season in general but at Globe Life Field specifically where the Astros won six of seven. So, uh, you know, I think they – they know that they still have a long way to go to get those two extra wins.
2: So you're on in St. Louis right now, and a lot of St. Louisans oh, are are certainly rooting for the Rangers, the Max Scherzer thing, the Jordan Montgomery thing. Let's start with Montgomery. I mean, clearly he has been nothing short of spectacular uh, in the postseason, but really he, he was making an impact for the club from the moment he went over.
1: Yeah, now I just got to tell you, you know, when you say you're on in St. Louis, that doesn't, uh, do people in St. Louis realize that those those words might not register well with Rangers fans? Like, I, I don't know, I don't know if people from St. Louis realize how much the St. Louis Cardinals still sting for Rangers fans. That's a that's a tough one. But do we yeah, want to talk I about mean, Game
2: Six? Is that what you want no, to do right no, now? No,
1: no, I just, I'm just, I, am acknowledging that those words they, they might mean a little something to you, than they do to us down here in uh, DFW, but. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Montgomery was huge for the Rangers from the get-go, and he came at, at the perfect time uh, because Nathan Evaldi had gone down. And, uh, you know, the Rangers needed someone to step in. And, you know, it's just so impressive. One of the things we heard, and, and I don't know if people in St. Louis uh, got enough of Jordan Montgomery to, to experience this, but one of the things we had heard from uh, some folks of the Yankees that, you know, he is just he is a straight-up competitor, and he doesn't – Get afraid by big spots or tough spots. And we saw that right away. I think his first start with the Rangers, it was a one run game in like the fourth or fifth. He had runners at second and third and uh, nobody out. And he was able to get out without giving up a run and just doesn't wilt in those spots. And then down the stretch, he pitched uh, his final five starts. I mean, they're effectively playoff starts, you know, with where the Rangers were fighting not only for a division, but fighting to make the playoffs. And, You know, it wasn't like he was facing the Oakland A's. He was facing the Mariners twice. He faced the Blue Jays once. You know, he was facing teams that were directly competing against the Rangers. He allowed two runs over those five starts. You know, he came up huge and did it again against Houston in game one. I mean, it's just been so impressive because he is not your, I'm going to blow you away with 98 and I'm going to strike out 11 guys. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have stuff that Pitching Ninja is going to put on his Twitter feed. But he's got a unique arm angle. He's a big lefty, maybe not the same exact style of pitching as CC Sabathia, but some of the same uh, characteristics from a release point that make it difficult for hitters. And you know, on uh, you know on, on Sunday game one, the curveball was such a big pitch for him. But I think what's been really impressive is that he's you know had starts where it's the changeup. He's had starts where it's the sinker. Uh, he's really able to mix it up, and I think that's been a big part of what's allowed him that success.
2: Has being reunited with Mike Maddox helped him out? You know, he he's
1: you know very openly talked about that. I'm always hesitant, you know, when people ask that question. Like, he's not going to say, "Yeah, no, no, no." I, my current pitching coach has no impact on me, right? Like, you know what? When you when you ask them in that public forum, they're not going to say the wrong thing. But he's gone out of his way to bring up Mike Maddox, even when not asked about it. So I, I think so, yeah. I, I, you know, those two. I guess, and, and you can maybe speak to this, you know, they hit it off last year when they, uh, you know, were, were paired together for the first time in St. Louis. And I think Mike, you know, he's so good from a game planning standpoint and, and a, you know, way to take what a pitcher does and figure out how to attack in general, but also specific to lineups. And uh, the, the pitch usage from when he was with the Yankees to when he went to the Cardinals really started to shift. And it, it's carried over to this year, uh, and it seems like it's it's been really advantageous, and so I think that those two really do click well together. And uh, I think you know Jordan has has gone out of his way a number of times to mention Mike.
2: What's the expectation for for a Max Scherzer? Just he's been out for a while, but he's he's Max Scherzer. So is there yeah. any sort of limitation on him?
1: Yeah, what a guy! Uh, he he's an interesting interesting fellow, that's for sure. We, we've definitely enjoyed in a short sample getting to be around him. Uh, I think. So from a, a workload standpoint, he threw just under 70 pitches in a sim game last week. That was kind of his final big test uh, before they were going to ramp things up to you know a return in the LCS. And so Bruce Bochy said earlier today that their, their expectation is that he could give the team at least that much. Now, you know, obviously, one pitch in a sim game is not going to be the same level of, of taxing as one pitch in a playoff game. Uh, and so, and some of it's also performance-based too. I mean, you know, it, even Max admitted it today, he's like, I, I've never done this. I've never come off the IL and then had to pitch a playoff game after not pitching, you know, for a month. Uh, and so I don't think anyone really knows what to expect from a production standpoint, but I think the Rangers are prepared to let him go about, you know, 60, 70 pitches, maybe a touch beyond that. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it was strategic in having him pitch game three as opposed to, say, game four, because you're giving him that, that game right after the off day. So the bullpen is, is fresh, they're ready to go, and uh, they're protected in that way. So don't know from a, a production standpoint. You know, I know he's really spent some time over the last month trying to uh, sharpen the slider, which is obviously a big pitch for him. Uh, but I, I think the Rangers, especially with where they are with their bullpen and their rotation, they're eager to get him on the mound. And if it works great you know they didn't know going into the series they'd be up 2-0 and not that this is a throwaway game at all because one win for the Astros and they're right back in it Uh, but I I think it's you know it's helpful that this isn't an 0-2 situation that they do have a little bit of cushion they've got a little bit of creative leverage and how they want to attack this and they want to pull them early because they're seeing some you know some some bad signs and they can uh, and they're protected with some long release help in the bullpen.
2: We're talking with Jared Sandler, part of the broadcast crew with the Texas Rangers. I'll be honest with you, I feel stupid even asking the question I'm about to ask you, but I'm going to go down this path nonetheless. Social media was filled with um <laughs> Rangers uh the Rangers defense of their celebration for clinching a playoff and you see social media stuff coming out of Houston and trying to say how rambunctious the the celebration actually was. I mean, it was just it was dumb silly stuff that you get in social media and it took a life of its own. I'm sure the, the Rangers Astros rivalry just added to that. Does, does everything that happened at the end of the regular season, does that play into anything that's going on right now?
1: So, yeah, let's start with the, the Saturday night, the Rangers clinch, they clinch a playoff spot for the first time since 2016. And obviously the, the shots of them, popping bottles in the clubhouse kind of got blown out of proportion. You know, you don't, you don't get hammered by spraying champagne. You know what little might get in your mouth. It's it's kind of disrespectful to these guys to think that they've never had a drink of alcohol on a Saturday night after a game and then shown up and played again on the Sunday. Uh, And apparently that alcohol only impacted the hitters because it didn't impact the pitchers when the Rangers lost one to nothing the next day. I mean, they they celebrated, but they didn't party, right? If if you can delineate between the two, there was no partying. The the buses left uh, shortly after the post-game show wrapped up on the radio side, which is, you know, about 30 or so minutes. Guys were in the kitchen watching the end of the Diamondbacks-Astros game because of the implications it had. Uh, There there was no partying. Uh, There was a celebration, Yes. But they lost the next day because their bats just didn't get the job done. They did not show up. They faced George Kirby and then, uh, you know, three Mariners relievers, and they, you know, they didn't get it done. I mean, it's that simple. Uh, and yeah, I, I, you know, some people have said, "Well, it's good they didn't win the division." I, I don't know, I don't know that I would say that. But I definitely think it was motivating when they had to get on a plane and go from Seattle to Tampa, which is a miserable trip to have to take after you just gave away the division and they knew everyone was doubting them. And, and I, you know, the, the bulletin board material, did they use that to their advantage? I don't know, but I know that internally there was frustration. There was not a lot of excitement about, Oh, we made the playoffs. We're here. It was, we, we just, we had an opportunity slip away. We're going to make sure we don't rue uh, that loss on that Sunday. And they've been a different team since And uh, maybe it was a wake up call, uh, however you want to characterize it, but I, I do think in some you know unquantifiable way uh, that loss did impact them. It impacted them favorably, and uh, it refocused the team and refocused uh, their efforts. And it's you know it's obviously worked out.
2: Am I safe to assume you were on that cross country flight with Indeed. them? Indeed. Okay, so what was what did that did the feeling on that plane feel any different than any other flight you've ever taken with them?
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Not, not really. I mean, you know, you got a couple card games going. Uh, I, I think it always it, it's less the players, more the the coaches, right? You know, I think the coaches are a little more willing to uh, to laugh and smile and, and have some fun after a win, as opposed to after a loss. You know, the players, it, it, it would be bad if they. I, I think there might have been because it was a you know a late long flight. There might have been some introspective moments. You're stuck on that plane. I'm sure there were some conversations back there. Uh, mature conversations that you know. I, obviously, I'm not privy to, but it wasn't like everyone was moping and you know down on themselves. But it also wasn't you know like the team had just won the division, right? You know, if they would have won that game, I'm sure that plane flight would have been a little bit different. I mean, it would have been back home to Dallas, uh, DFW, getting ready for the ALDS. So uh, it it really wasn't that that different. No, um, I I don't think that uh, I don't think that the mood ref- like if you didn't know any differently i don't think you would have known that this team had a chance to win a game to win the division and just didn't get the job done
2: he is jared sandler part of the broadcast team with the uh texas rangers rangers radio 105.3 the fan uh jared thanks so much for taking the time on a uh, well-deserved off day right here in the middle of the alcs and uh yeah best of i i could tell you people in st louis absolutely are rooting for uh, for the rangers in this thing if that means anything at all to you guys
1: well, I, I'll tell you what, my stepsister and her lovely husband, they live in St. Louis, and my, my adorable nephew loves the Cardinals. He's like five, six years old. And it pains me that I can't get behind that. But it's not hatred to the Cardinals. Once the Rangers get this monkey off their back, then everyone can go back to appreciating the St. Louis Cardinals again. Do you want to
2: give a shout-out to your family? You, want, you can name them by name if you want.
1: Yeah, Kim and Todd Wolf and my niece Vivi and my nephew, Big John. He's a big sports fan. I love him to death. All
2: right. Great stuff. Jared, thank you so much for the time. Thanks so much. All right. Very good. There's Jared Sandler joining us here on the program. It's Graybar Sports Open Line. We'll take a break. And when we return, we'll uh, shift gears. We'll talk some St. Louis Blues hockey. Craig Berube, the Blues head coach, talking after a very spirited practice today. We'll hear some of his comments coming up in just a moment as we roll on right here on KMOX.
0: Your home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens,
3: jumper.
2: Yes,
0: Billikens win. The Chiefs, touchdown. Kansas City. We are America's sports voice. KMOX.
2: A great our sports open line does continue right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us today. As always, if you want to chime in on anything that we're talking about, 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can also tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Still on the way, uh, we are going to uh, have our weekly fantasy football segment with our own Sean Malone. That's going to be coming up in about uh, 20 minutes from now. Also, actually about 30 minutes from now. Uh, Earl Austin Jr. is going to join us in about an hour. And we're going to replay a conversation that Tom Ackerman had with uh, Blues uh, chairman, Governor Tom Stillman, from uh, Sports on a Sunday Morning, where... Uh, they get into a lot of things about the Blues, and I thought it was a really interesting conversation. And it's not just about Blues. It's about uh, the practice facility. It's about the downtown security. It's about attracting uh, big hockey events to the city. Uh, a lot uh, that Stillman had to say. So if you missed that, we're going to replay that for you towards the end of the program a little bit more than an hour from now right here on KMOX. Craig Barubi spoke today. It was a uh, it was a spirited a spirited practice for the blues today. In fact, we talked about this earlier. At one point, uh, we saw Jordan Cairo and uh and, and Braden Shin get into it a little bit, which uh it wouldn't it wasn't really described as a fight. Um but it also it was it was more of a, a shoving match than anything uh, anything else. Uh, both sticks ended up on the ice. Uh, no punches were thrown. Uh, when Craig Berube was asked about it, he said they're just playing hard. Uh, and, and look, that's I as long as that sort of stuff isn't happening too often. As long as that's not a normal thing. As long as it's not like oh, who's fighting today in practice. If, as long as it doesn't get to that point, that's a good thing especially if you've got a leader in Braden Shin, a guy who's your captain, who is going to try to raise the level of everybody else. So I, to me, without knowing all the intricate details of it, uh, I, I think that's a good sign that we are seeing those type of things happening. So uh, I was glad to see that. We'll, we'll see whether or not um, that's something that does continue moving forward. But you want a team that's got, you know, fight for lack of a better term, that's got some spirit that uh, when, when you're practicing hard, when, yeah, when you're practicing hard, uh, things are going to happen that you don't like. And it's okay to deal with those things in the moment. Yeah, it, In some ways, it's like when uh, NFL training camps are going on and you get, some, uh, you get some scuffles going on. You don't want them ever to turn into full-fledged fights, but you don't always want to like the person that you're across from. There's got to be a certain level of respect, but I, I think it's a good sign. I, I want a team that's got that fight, that's got that spirit, that's got those things going on, and I want to see a captain who is going to be willing to uh, hold his teammates accountable. And again, without knowing all the details of what happened today uh, and, and what exactly led to everything, I think it's a good sign. And you got a guy in Jordan Cairo who is so incredibly talented, so who, who is so incredibly gifted who can be an elite goal scorer in the NHL, but you need more than that from him. If he's going to get paid the money that he's game paid, if you are going to have the expectations that you have of him, you want him to be involved in, in pretty much all aspects of the game. And bringing him along to do that is certainly something that is uh, that is good. All right, like I said, let's get into uh, some of the things that uh, Craig Berube had to say today. First and foremost, he uh, did give a uh, health update on Pavel Buchnevich.
4: You know, right now he's, he's you know, he's sore, so um, he's still, you know, not ready to get on the ice, so it's, you know, right now it's like day-to-day we're waiting. So, you know, it's it's all about how he feels, you know, the soreness and stuff like that. When that subsides, he's going to go on the ice, and then we'll advance from there. So you have no idea whether it's tomorrow, uh, or next week? No, not really, I don't. Um, that's, you know... That's the truth. I mean, I just, right now it's kind of a day-to-day thing Till he feels like he's not, you know, sore, any, uh, you know, less sore to get on the ice and he can go out and do some work on the ice. I like you were telling these guys yesterday. Probably the best news that you could have gotten, I suppose. Could have been worse. Yeah, for sure. I think it's good news that we got. Can we rule, it? I mean, rule him out for Thursday, I guess? Or... Yeah, I would, uh, you know, I mean, unless, you know, he comes in tomorrow and he's feeling really good. But right now, um, he's doubtful for Thursday.
2: So with that, the lines are going to change a little bit because uh, Buchnevich is out. Uh, Torpchenko, he gets moved up to the second line.
4: But skating and on pucks, you know. Um, you know, he. I thought he had an excellent game with his using his skating and being physical and forechecking, so, you know, He's earned that, in my opinion. Um, you know, that line could be, that's a hard line, in my opinion, with the skating on the wings like it, with they have, and got a little bit of finish there, so that should be a difficult line to play against, I'm hoping.
2: And then one of the other changes, you obviously have a spot on the uh, first line as well, and that's going to go to Brandon Sott.
4: Yeah, he's played with them before. Um, you know, the last couple of years, he's been used there quite a bit with those guys, again, He's a pretty straightforward player, you know, he uses he's got real good speed, you know, getting in on pucks, strong on pucks. To keep pucks in the offensive zone and gets to the net and does all those little things. I
0: Asked Shen about him the other day and just maybe people around the league consider his skating uh, underrated. He he talks about it's not so much it's it's more he skates with power. Is that is that what makes? He's
4: very strong and um, he does have good speed too. But you know he can beat people wide all the time. And he does. So he's a powerful guy. He's a strong guy. And, um, you know, he's good and tight around the net. You know, like when he gets opportunities around the net, he puts them in.
2: So the way the lines were distributed in practice today, the top line was Thomas, Kairu and Saad, Torpchenko, Shin and uh, Kapanen. They're on the second line, Verona Hayes and Blay. And then the fourth group was uh, Alexandrov, of Sundquist and neighbors. And that's what it's likely to look like uh, coming up on Thursday. And in a perfect world, you would not be shuffling lines this early on in the season, but you've got injuries. You got to deal with them. And, and look, we spent a ton of time before the season got started talking about that top line with Buchnevich, Thomas, and Kyrou and how so much of the goal scoring had to come through that group. It's an unfortunate situation that that group's not going to be all the way together here for at least a little while. I don't know how long uh, Bucinavich is going to be out, but you want him to get back sooner than later just so everything can be uh, the way you want it to be. I've probably been most impressed so far. Well, I've been most impressed by Jordan Bennington. That almost goes without saying. He he has been really good here uh, through the first couple games. But just as important has been the defensive performance so far, especially when you look at those top four defensemen in Tor Krug, Justin Falk, Nick Letty, and Colton Pareko, and Pareko is really the guy who's probably been uh, given the the highest compliments and has played uh, as, as well as anybody in the in that group of top
4: four defensemen. Great skating, great aggressive. You know, is using his stick really well. He's on his toes. You know, like he's getting loose pucks in our end and he's out of the zone with them. You know, and that's he's just he's not overthinking things. He's using his feet. And using his uh, stick and his length. No, know last year we talked about that, maybe a little hesitancy, but that hasn't really been. I haven't seen it, no. He's been really good.
2: Yeah, he has been really good. And that's going to be, if he can continue, again, we're, I, we're not far enough into the season that any of the storylines have changed. So we're going to keep saying the same stuff over and over and over and over again but the the ability for those top four defensemen to slow down top goal scorers for other teams if they can do that and also and the thing maybe we didn't talk about as much but we're talking about more here recently is uh, the ability for those guys to help Jordan Bennington be at his best. At times, Bennington is going to have to bail out the defenseman, but there's going to be times where what the Blues do from a defensive standpoint, and not just from a defenseman standpoint, from from everybody uh, on the ice at one time, and something that's been talked about a bit here recently is just how the de- really defensively the, the system that they're using has changed a bit this year, and there's not going to be as much Open ice and open space in the middle of the rink. So instead, uh, there are going to be some some big shots that are coming off the corners, and the Blues are going to give up some goals in some of those situations. But those are less high percentage shots, and it just seems like so far through a couple games, uh, it's working. We'll have to wait and see, but so far it uh, it seems to be working. So two games into the season. Where's uh, Craig Berube at right now in terms of uh, the areas that uh, he would like to see improvement?
4: I still think we can block more, you know, like I, you know, we got to block shots. You have to block shots in this league, um, but we're in the lanes, which is good. And we're at our net with pucks are hitting us and things like that, which is good. It looks like guys are being, I know you're playing the new system, but really physical crew throwing some yeah arms, pushing around. well we got to be physical I mean the game you know the game is about being physical a lot of times and you want to kill plays in your zone you got to stop the cycle and you got to get through people and you know have a another person come in there and get the puck I mean your job um, d forge and kill the play second man in there quick get the puck and let's go
2: that's Craig Berube speaking earlier today at practice. Again, a spirited practice to uh, say the least. That's what you get, though. When when you've got a few days between games, you get the opportunity to really go at it and to have those type of practices this early on in the season, uh, still fresh off of training camp, makes you a better team. So it was good for them to be able to uh, do that. And now they start to get ready for their Thursday night matchup when they are going to uh, take on the Coyotes. Something was mentioned in relation to hockey on national radio today that I thought was a really good point and I just want to kind of Put my spin on it and bring it out as much into the forefront as uh, of possible. If you're a hockey fan, there's certainly somebody out there who's probably been a big part of you being a hockey fan, and uh, he's going through something right now. And maybe uh, there'd be uh, a big accolade that he could get uh, here in the relatively near future. I'll explain what I'm talking about when we return in just a moment. It's Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX. <laughs>
0: He's the Bar Sports Open Line. Those bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, King of
2: OX. Starting to wrap up this first hour of the program a lot. Coming up in hour number two, a conversation with our own Sean Malone. We'll do our weekly fantasy football segment with him. Earl Austin Jr. will join us uh, in about a half hour or so. We'll talk college basketball with him, and uh, we're going to replay Tom Ackerman's conversation with uh, Blues uh, Chairman Governor Tom Stillman from sports on a Sunday morning. Uh, Sometimes you see something and you just realize how much sense it makes and you want to put your support behind it. And if you didn't hear the news recently, uh, Barry Melrose, who is best known for working as a hockey analyst at ESPN and having done so for a very, very, very long time, from ESPN's first run with the uh, with the league to ESPN not having hockey, now to ESPN having hockey once again. Uh, he stepped away from his analyst role as he was um, diagnosed with Parkinson's And that's going—he has made the decision to uh, just spend time with his uh, family here moving forward. And Parkinson's is just a horrible, horrible, horrible disease. And Dan Patrick said something on his nationally syndicated radio show today, which I thought made all the sense in the world when you think about Barry Melrose and Melrose's um, impact on people loving the game of hockey— And uh, this audio, courtesy of the Dan Patrick Show, this is what Dan Patrick had to to say uh, about Barry Melrose.
0: I want to do this publicly, uh, and I want no credit for it, but I want to put it out there publicly because I hope that somebody can tell somebody who can tell somebody. Barry Melrose should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame for his contributions to the game. He was a former player, didn't play long. Um, Then he was a coach, and he's been an analyst at the Mothership I've never met a more professional person in my career at ESPN than Barry Melrose. Now he would drive. I don't know. It was over an hour every single day that he would come in always in his suit, ready to go. Always. I never saw him in anything but a suit, but he was always willing. You needed him on radio. You needed him on ESPN news, whatever. You needed somebody to talk hockey. And he was there. And then they lost the rights to hockey Barry Melrose and Steve Levy, those two single-handedly were keeping, keeping hockey highlights in the rundown on SportsCenter. John Butchegrass also played a role as well, that they were fighting hard for that sport. And it, it cannot be overstated, Barry Melrose's role, and uh, he was well-liked. He did his homework. He cared passionately about it. And uh, I, I hope uh, whatever time left he has, he's still able to enjoy the sport, watch the sport, be proud of the sport for all the great things that he's done. But if there's somebody out there who's affiliated with the Hockey Hall of Fame, I'd be more than happy to speak on his behalf. You know, uh, I, I fought hard for John Facenda to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame because that's a contribution to the game. Barry Melrose, Deserves to be in the hockey hall of
2: fame. That audio is courtesy of the Dan Patrick show. He's right, he's a hundred percent right. And I was just thinking about kind of my hockey fandom growing up and what ESPN meant to it. And we're in a different world right now when it comes to televised sports and when it comes to sp- sports center isn't must watch TV anymore. I, to be bl- perfectly honest with you. I I rarely watch Sports Center anymore. Uh, occasionally I'll catch the the Scott Van Pelt Sports Center because it's it's more than just kind of a highlight show. It's uh, it's focused on Van Pelt's personality and I'm a big fan of Scott Van Pelt. But Sports Center overall, it's different now because of the world we live in. If you need to see if I want to see highlights from a baseball game, what I do is I, I go home, I turn on my TV, I power up my Roku, I go to the MLB app, MLB.tv app, and I go to whatever game that I, that I want to go to, and there's a six, seven-minute package of highlights for that game. That's, and I can do the same thing on YouTube. Like I, I never have to wait on Sports Center to show me highlights of a game. And for me, I'm 41 years old. Like That's back in the day. That's what you did. You, you turned on ESPN, you watched SportsCenter. That's how you saw highlights from games. And as a baseball guy, you watch baseball tonight every night. That's how you found out what was going on. And we're just we're in a very different place now because everything is is on demand. So when I think about Barry Melrose and the impact that he has had on hockey fans, you think about what ESPN used to be and how many people their their hockey fandom was really cultivated because of somebody like Melrose who absolutely loves the game and is willing to talk about it at any given moment and then what Patrick said he's perfectly he's totally right like when when the NHL left ESPN there was a whole lot less hockey being talked about but it could have been it was almost nothing it could have been basically nothing if not for people like Barry Melrose continuing to try to uh, allow hockey to have some type of platform uh, on that network. So, yeah, when you think about the last 20 years and people who have given back to the game and who have contributed to the game of hockey, Barry Melrose is right there. He is the single most notable ESPN hockey analyst of the last 20-plus years. And ESPN has played a large role in hockey, especially from their last time covering. Not so much now. Uh, and they do cover. They cover it fine now, but it's just again, like I was saying, it's just a different world. So hopefully, somebody with the platform like a Dan Patrick talking about that can get the folks up in Toronto discussing it, and uh, maybe, maybe just maybe Melrose will get into the Hockey Hall of Fame. He deserves it. This is Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX.